Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! Hello, you're listening to spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! And we're here to do a podcast today. And if you motherfuckers don't like it, then you can say goodbye. He <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> it's harder than it looks. Good Adler. day. Yeah. Good, good day. day. Say good day. It's right there. Yes. <laughs> Oh dear! I mean, I I am not a rapper or comedian. <laughs> Sorry, I can confirm this. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's oh, it's fine. It's just easy enough. You just plan them, didn't you? You don't you don't genuinely ad lib them. You, I mean, you what you I, what I didn't do is I didn't go into the street and talk to some homeless people <laughs> and then record what they said. And right now I'll do spot. Now I'll do it, but we're inserting my own stuff. Imagine if you'd done that with someone like John Radio. That would have been insane. And, <laughs> oh. you know, you wouldn't understand a word. Somewhere, somewhere in the ether of the universe is a, is a Welsh version of this, the Dolomite story. <laughs> On the Dolomite. <laughs> <laughs> Good start. We're here with Anthony, Abby, Jamie and Rich. And if you don't like it, then you're a son of a bitch. <laughs> Still works. Basically works. What's weird about this is we watched Justice League Dark the other day and it really irritated Rich that Etrigan always talked in rhyme. It yeah, it's now... different when it's Eddie Murphy, though. I don't know. It's more Rich is doing it himself now. I'm like, really? Oh. I can. I don't. Uh, the... No, I mean, that's deeply annoying, but I'll like, <laughs> <laughs> hear to the podcast, so. Yeah, like, and also, Eddie Murphy didn't spend the entire movie rhyming even out of, like, out of character, out of his stage persona. He didn't spend, it wasn't like, we're going to crowbar a rhyme in in every sentence of the whole thing. That's Different. true, they did not. I'll give you that. Anyway, um, it's hardly high art rhyming, like, cocksucker with somebody else, isn't it, you know? Disagree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's really high art to rhyme everything with cocksucker, which is different <laughs> to, to Etrigan, who just fucking, you know, was. Well, where are we? We're not. This is not on point. More than usual. Right. No, no, it's my fault as much as anyone. Um. Anyway, well, more than anyone. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the time. It's that time in the podcast for a blanket apology. From yeah. me, <laughs> about all everybody <laughs> now. I owe about three hundred and eighty odd apologies. So sorry. I mean, this is one of those episodes where up front we should we need to acknowledge that this is uh, for deeply white British people, <laughs> both deeply white and deeply British, talking about a uh, very black American icon. Oh, and we're all millennials, so we have no context for the the original. Uh, movies and how they retranslate. It was so far removed from uh, uh, authority on the matter. It's almost like you should turn the podcast off now if you... <laughs> if you... Ha- yeah. put ideas in their heads. <laughs> in their heads. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, let's now begin a podcast where four white people from Wales who were born in the 80s <laughs> talk about a man in his late 50s making a movie about uh, black man in the seventies. Yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Definitely, no, <laughs> no potholes to fall into here. Jamie, your fault. You give the details. This week's film is Dolomite is my name from two thousand and nineteen. 
Uh, it was directed by Craig Brewer, written by Scott Alexander and Larry Karazuski. Uh, it stars Eddie Murphy, Keegan-Michael Key, Mike Epps, Craig Robinson, Titus Burgess, Divine Joy Randolph, Snoop Dogg, Cody Smith-McPhee, Wesley Snipes, Chris Rock. I'm not going to list off the whole cast. The whole like, There's so many uh, really good actors in very quick roles or in leading roles in this. It's a really stacked cast. Um, and it tells the story of Rudy Ray Moore, who uh, was best known as Dolomite, his kung fu fighting mm-hmm. alter ego, who is considered um, by a lot of people to be one of, if not the kind of godfather of what would become rap. Also, uh, Kung Fu Weiss, on a par with Steven Seagal, I would say. Uh, I would say he's better than Steven Seagal just because he's entertaining. Like, (laughs) at least he has that. (laughs) Like he looks like he's enjoying himself as well. Yeah, yeah. Rudy Raymore had a shitload of charisma. Like, I I would argue that, like, charisma was his, like, supernatural talent. Whereas, uh, I don't know if Steven Seagal has any talent to speak of. I also, like, well, with with Rudy, I would say also the, the rap thing, you know, I mean, who invented rap is contentious, but he certainly set a ball rolling yeah. that got picked up. Um, I mean, it, yeah. He's also, so the, he's also um, kind of the pre... pre uh, he's also the, the sort of... He's, he's also the godfather of the Chuck Norris joke in a way, isn't he? The format that he uses in the comedy clubs is oh, basically right. Chuck Norris jokes. But about himself. Yeah, you just yeah. do that and you make a rhyme if you want, just to add yeah, a little bit even... extra flair to them. I didn't even think about that. Also, not as good a martial artist as Chuck Norris, but once again, much more entertaining to watch or listen to. Yeah, sure. Agreed. But yeah... Um... It came out on Netflix in 2017, was it? 2019. 19. No, it wasn't. It was. It was, it was the. It was the year of the Eddie Murphy comeback, which uh, we're in 2023 now. Uh, I guess he decided not to capitalize on, because <laughs> then he just quietly disappeared again. Well, yeah, he's done stuff, though, isn't he? He's done stuff, and he wasn't immune to the, the year 2019 and beyond. So. Yes, that is true. The the uh, certain event happened in 2020 that meant he probably couldn't go outside for a long time, uh, as mm-hmm. as happened to all of us. Um, but I know he in 2019 was talking about doing stand up again, but there hasn't been much about that since. Um, I would be very happy if he did, but we'll see. I don't know. The way Americans come back to stand up comedy, probably just slag off trans people for an hour and a half. <laughs> Oh yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Eddie Murphy. Uh, he's got. I think he's got his homophobia out, out of the way already. I think he. Re- I think he really got it out of his system in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, it would be good if. Uh, oh yeah, I'd, I'd love some Eddie Murphy uh, stand up. That'd be great. Um, yeah. So, Jamie, did you? Pick this because of an interest in Eddie Murphy or an, an interest in uh, Rudy Ray Moore? Kind of a or... bit of both. Um, mainly, this was an Eddie Murphy-based pick. Um, I think ages and ages ago, way back in the in the spoiler-filled back catalogue, we did Harlem Nights. Yes, um, yeah. which was a which was a me pick 
because of Eddie Murphy again. Um, With a bonus of Richard Pryor and a little bit of yeah, Red Fox. It was well. a yeah, it was a pick because it was like wow, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, and Red Fox in the same film, and then it turned out to be really boring. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, a period I, drama as well. Yeah, it was an odd one because like all the ingredients were there, and it was just kind of flat. But um, no, I I really like uh, Eddie Murphy a lot. Um, and I'm, I I find his career really interesting and in the kind of huge uh, peaks and valleys that he's had, um, but like, I you know he's, a, like he's genuinely a very like gifted comedian. Like looking at how young he was when he fucking exploded in the eighties, um, and how fantastic his stand up is. Yes. There's some horrendously homophobic stuff in his stand-up. It was a um, different time. Is, yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, we didn't it, care about gay people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's some, there's some really rough, like AIDS-related gay panic stuff in his stand-up. Oh, there's some real raw, raw. Stuff, ah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it might make you delirious. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, yeah, uh, but at the same time, like in those stand-up shows as well if you can grit your teeth and ignore that shit. Um, there's also sort of Mr. T in a very funny way. It, but, well, there's also all the really great stuff that he does about his family and about yeah, show yeah. business and probably my favourite and probably a lot of people people's favourite Eddie Murphy stand-up bit, the whole thing he does about Bill Cosby. Um, <laughs> uh, back when people loved Bill Cosby and didn't realise certain things about him that fully vindicated Eddie Murphy many years in, later. In fairness, he didn't drag him for date raping people. He mainly went on about a shitty phone call Bill Cosby made and the condescending attitude. He had but fucking hell, it's funny. Um, <laughs> like, his impression... Well, there's, a nice, there's a nice joke in this that references... Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, uh, uh, Ruby, Rudy's uh, auntie. auntie wants him to be a comedian wants him like Bill Cosby like Bill and Cosby. do really nice yeah. family stuff. Um... So yeah, I I really like Eddie Murphy. I I am the one fan of the PJs, uh, which I think I talked about on the Harlem Nights episode like, years I like ago. The as well. PJs. <laughs> it was it was great, and everyone was like, "Well, it got good critical reception, but it was expensive to make." And Eddie Murphy left, so the third season wasn't as good. Whatever, but yeah, generally a fan of Eddie Murphy. And in 2019, um, this came out, and he did his big uh, comeback show on uh, SNL that year. Oh. Um, which was so good, it, I guess, ushered in the apocalypse in 2020. Yeah, um, yeah there'd, but... been a, there'd been a real wait, though, hadn't there? Because Eddie Murphy had been doing a lot of pap that people could have... Yes. But, but it did, was the third yeah. game back to his sort of, uh, what do they call it, R-rated material and he had adult done comedy and things. In in the midst of all of the stuff that people are like, oh, Eddie Murphy's shit now, he did do like some good stuff. Like He was in Dreamgirls... Um, like, yeah, but he was in that one where he's just like a fucking alien in his own head or something. Oh. <laughs> God. Yeah, yeah, he's done a lot of like family shit. He, he's like, Robin Williams, that shit. <laughs> and he did. it was getting old. Um, uh, there's plenty of times where he put on a fat suit and oh. played various members of his own family as big fat cans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I haven't seen Coming to America with the right. number two. All right. Um, yeah, it was okay. But yeah, his his SNL episode comeback was 
really really good um and he kind of he demonstrated that like that that ac's comedy magic is still there he's just kind of not used it for a long time um but i was interested in this film because i am as a as a welsh white fan of uh hip-hop like old school hip-hop um there's a lot for me to like learn about it and like the roots of it and the culture of it that like obviously i don't have the context for so i like kind of diving into the history of it and seeing where certain things came from mm. um so i and so i knew about dolomite like rudy raymore kind of and his influence um but i thought this was just a re it would i it looked really interesting to me because it kind of was a you know it's got those two focal points for me of like learning about that culture a little bit more and seeing Eddie Murphy do something that is funny and earnest at the same time, because uh, he is a good, like, dramatic actor as well. He hasn't done a ton of it, but he is good at it. Yeah, um, good. Hmm. And then yeah. Uh, yeah. Wesley Snipes is in this, who I already liked, and then in this I was like, fuck, you, I love Wesley Snipes. I think Eddie Murphy loved Wesley Snipes, and that's why he wanted to do it. Uh, I would to get him like to see them do more films together. <laughs> It took me far too long to recognise it was Wesley Snipes as well. Really? <laughs> oh, I, which I which I'm, I'm kind away. of ashamed of, but that is kind of a testament mm -hmm. to his performance. There the was performance a where he had his own face. <laughs> <laughs> there was a moment, I can't remember where it was, but he was like pushed up against a wall and he does kind of like a a camp noise. Oh, and yeah. I was like, yeah. I know that. And then I, it suddenly clicked in my mind like when we watched Tu Wong Fu. I'm yeah. like, oh my god, that's Wesley Snipes. How did I not recognise him? How did you not recognise it from the wrist acting? Wrist acting. <laughs> he does this these same yes. funny little hand gestures. I don't all the know. Time. I don't know what the, the the guy he plays in real life. I don't know if he was that, or if Wesley Snipes just decided he wanted this to be a really camp performance. But it's fucking great. Well, one of the weird things is uh, Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes are a little too old for their roles. But they also are quite attractive, so they don't look as old <laughs> as they they should for their age. So they can kind of play younger. Yeah. But, um. And, you know, Eddie Murphy's. Uh, you know, Ru Ru Rudy Ray Moore is middle aged when he starts his film career, so it makes sense for Eddie Murphy to sort of play him as an over the hill kind of guy desperate for fame late in life. It's great because it means there's like in there's still hope. Yeah, but you know, Rudy Ray Moore does look. Younger than Eddie Murphy, yeah. even when he was, you know, you know, in his forties or whatever. So, and then Wesley, the same. The other guy was younger than that, but it's Wesley Snipes, so you're not going to worry about it. Are you? Uh, plus, it adds a it adds a level of like he is a, a legit actor slubbing it, and then so him to be a legit actor pulled into this rinky dink thing. I, I get it. Like, although this is like a big Eddie Murphy Netflix film, I'm sure he didn't need his arm twisted that much. I mean. Wesley Snipes has had uh, his own legal issues. So. He's had some up and downs. Yeah. As, as Wesley Snipes. I mean, it's only celebrity tax stuff. Who gives a shit? Taxman? IRS, probably. Yes, well, but I, oh, I, how the curve has changed since those days. <laughs> you didn't rape people. <laughs> as far as we know. Yeah, have, yeah. Uh, yeah, having skeletons in your closet. I guess is uh, is seems it's it's a different topic of conversation now with the celebrity revelations. Speaking of Bill Cosby, <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, getting off that topic, Abby, you and I had seen this before, right? We'd watched it when it came out on Netflix. Yes? Yes, we did watch it when it came out on Netflix. And I will... Well, I'll use my expectations then rather than now. I knew literally nothing about any of this before I went in. So it was it was nice and fresh for me. A new uh, all vein to explore where you, you you had no I no no interest in rap music or comedy from that era, is it? And so I say little... white I say white woman who grew up in rural Wales. <laughs> I am probably about as distanced as you can get from black rap culture. Yes, but thanks to a little man called Marshall Mathers giving us all permission <laughs> to suddenly be into black culture. <laughs> it is a perfectly acceptable vanilla ice. Oh, fuck, I was going to make that joke. <laughs> thanks to the Ninja Turtles of vanilla ice. We've all, <laughs> we've all been invited to come and enjoy... Uh, the movies of Spike Lee and the rap music of Exhibit and all, a whole myriad of black culture that we previously would have felt too colonial to enjoy. <laughs> okay, you weren't interested, <laughs> right? But this was like a little window that you were happy to uh, indulge in, was it? Yeah, well, I'm the kind of person who needs stuff like this to introduce me to a topic or a vein of cinema to do things where it's like oh I've watched this I understand this this all looks very interesting I'll go and watch the actual things yeah so I found it very not only did I find it entertaining I found it very helpful so what next time you're flicking through a bunch of vinyls and you come across a bunch of black naked people dressed in 70s clothes <laughs> to trying to have sex with each other on the album you'd be like oh is this a comedy album or something <laughs> Is that one of those party records I've heard so much about rather than, oh, Christ, what's this? Is you it know. recommended that I eat out more often? I it is. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we partly watched it because I had an interest in black exploitation movies. And then when this was coming out, I was like, oh, I've seen Dolomite already. And uh, I had a, had a few. Like, I think, what's the hurricane one of the Ru- Rudy Raymore? Oh, oh ah, Tornado. Tornado. The oh, human, tornado. Oh, the human tornado. Oh, the tornado man was close. Yeah, I watched that one. Uh, having watched this, like I'd, I've been watching a bunch of black exploitation, uh, a lot more with a sort of more. Of a, I had more of a Pam Greer vein at the time, but I'd watched mm. Dolomite and stuff, and I was generally uh, finding out what kind of fun stuff had been made back in the seventies, and uh, or horrific, uh, misogynistic, violent nonsense, depending on your take on the genre. Um, but yeah, so I was like, oh, this this came along and uh, coloured it in from another perspective, I guess. Because, you, you know, you watch the movies as is and you laugh at them a little bit because they're so bad, they're good. And then this gave it a context that made you go, oh, do you know what? They are a little more, they probably are a little more self-aware making them. Yeah. And then I, you kind of start to reevaluate because you watch them and you think, oh, this is an egomaniac who's wanted to make a movie with himself in and he thinks he's a fucking kung fu master and a pimp and he's going to save the ghettos from drug gangs by violently murdering everyone. And there's an element of, well, is this a bit Neil Breen? Is this like... Is this a madman who somehow cobbled together some money? Like a Tommy Wiseau. Yes. And this put it in the context of 
um, just a guy trying to entertain people and get a career and be, be famous and popular um, and make something work for himself. And you but also got, understanding you know, the comedy element. Yeah. His audience I, as well. He knew exactly yeah. what people wanted and he gave yep. it to him. Yeah, and they address it in the film. He like it says outright, you know, like well, someone someone in the cinema asked me, they they meant to be laughing, and they, you mm-hmm. could watch them and think you're laughing at it, not with it, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and that's part of exploring black exploitation is, uh, you know, you can have fun watching it for what it is intended to be, which is salacious, enjoyable action, and full of sex and violence and all the things that you you know people really love. But you know, there's all sorts of um, people doing it for different reasons. Like producers might have a different reason to actors. Actors might have a different reason for doing it than uh, I don't know people who uh, do the st- stunts or the music. You know, there's all there's all sorts of myriad of motivations for these things getting made. To and... my experience, watching the few that I've watched, I haven't necessarily laughed that much because I'm too busy having whiplash from stuff happening all the time. Like, I can't, I can't <laughs> yeah. react to any of this. It's too much. I don't understand. Yeah, they're very fast and loose, uh, as genres go. Anyway, I think it's I, a, so... to, just to um, just to contextualize it for us white people, it's sort of that like Evil Dead Two thing of like if you're watching it too much from the outside, you're like, well, this is stupid. Why is it so funny? It's supposed to be a horror movie, and but like sure. understanding it in the context of like who made it and why, it's like, no, it's supposed to be funny. It's a, it's a, it's basically a live action cartoon where they're throwing everything in the pot and kind of stitching it together. Yeah, this also the movie makes a case for um, something. If something has a really low budget and they they actually get it done, that's commendable, not laughable. Like yeah. you, like you, you can't afford this. You shouldn't have done it. Is what you might think watching right. it. But this, this says no, no. It's fucking cool that they made it, right? It's yeah. we. You like if you'd like it, it's a success. Whether uh, they can afford to look professional or not. But anyway, so I had some interest anyway, and I watched it again for this podcast. Anthony, had you uh, any expectations going into this one? Um, a little mixed because I heard I've heard good things about it. I'm pretty sure you guys said you watched it and that it was good but then it's also you know a netflix biography yeah so maybe it was just going to be good in that genre you know with a lower like bar enough, like... yeah mm-hmm. so slightly mixed but then you know i do you know i like eddie murphy when he's when you know when he's great he's great yeah and this, this definitely felt like the film for him you know what i mean yeah and uh, I'd you know I'd, I'd seen a lot of black exploitation things. I'd seen I'd seen Dolomite, yeah, uh, a while ago actually. Um, uh, and you know I, I like them for because they 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 tend to come in like two things. You've got like the sweet sweetbacks badass story and stuff like coffee and uh, stuff a song like that. not story is yeah. it? Sweet sweetbacks badass. What did I say? Story. 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 I apologize. Song. Which are, you know, more... uh, Like, they go into it a bit in this film where, like, the writer is trying to write a... Yeah. A, um... Grittier story. A grittier, real-to-life story. And, you know, there there are those, which I enjoy. But then I also enjoy the kind of... Blackulas and Dolomites, I suppose, as well, which are a little more goofy. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right, though. Uh, it's a catch-all term for a certain type of cinema. Like, basically, uh, you know, cinema, cheap cinema made for black people to enjoy and not expecting to cross over very much with more mainstream audiences. Mm-hmm. And also, but also the cheap thrills. It's like it's like pulp novels or something. It's like um, you know, it, it's a it's appealing to sort of lowest common denominator, you know, jokes, tits, and guns. You know, people who don't care about high art so much. They just want like the fun stuff. You Entertain- know? Yeah, hmm. the whole entertainment package, like he says. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing with black exploitation is it can it can walk that line. Sometimes you just get really good, innovative cinema, indie cinema that that is uh, works uh, on 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 a, on a it works on a genuine level, and you can go, well, this is just good cinema. And then you got the ones that are like this. The, the hope, the the stupidity of all this makes it enjoyable. Like you know, like they can and they can. Yeah. There's like a spectrum, I think, of what I've seen. Of quality, um, and you know you can kind of pick and choose which ones you like. I don't think you have to love them all uh, all together, and I don't think uh, they're for everyone because it is they're a bit edgier I mean, and stuff, and they're a bit they're a bit, bit dated now as well. Like in terms of yeah, the, taste it has sometimes. all of the it has all of the ups and downs of anything that is a genre, um, but the fact that became a genre shows that there's like you know there's obviously merit and and demand and artistic intent and integrity to it and it's all the same kind of levels as you have with like horror yeah and i think i mean there's definitely with uh black exploitation as well exploitation being the, the word pun yeah. in there there's a there's a sort of uh expectation of well at some point there's rich white people who are yeah Paying like bare minimum to black actors and uh, black talent to do degrading things <laughs> just because it'll get butts in seats, you know. Like, um, but that's not all. You know, it's not always that like, you have to kind of. You don't know which producers ha- are entering into the spirit of let's just make some cinema and make some money here, and which are deliberately cynically cashing in. I mean, that's all of Hollywood, really, though, isn't it? I was going like, to say it's. Just... it's probably most of them <laughs> yeah it's like you know you um i i don't want to i don't think there's much to be said on how i, I don't know, i don't know this isn't the the right thing we're not here to discuss like the fucking historical context for black exploitation we're here to talk about eddie murphy's celebration of a guy who was a kind of entrepreneurial uh comedian actor uh singer you know like this is eddie murphy doing his like love letter in a way to to Rudy Ray Moore and uh, celebrating him by doing a little little mini biopic thing, isn't it? So one of the things I love most about it is that uh, Rudy Ray Moore would not take no for an answer. It's like, oh, you're yeah. not going to do it. I'll do it myself. <laughs> right? You don't want me to do this kind of comedy? I'll fucking don't care. I'm coming up with something and I'm doing it, and it'll go down well, and I'll show you. Yeah, it's that, and it's, it takes a sort of special kind of delusion as well, where normal people would be like, "Oh, that's a bit cringe or a bit difficult, or we don't have the budget." And but he doesn't care. He's like, you know, the, when you watch uh, him in action in his actual movies, you go, 
a, a normal person would be too self-aware and would like, oh, no, <laughs> can't go with that take, can we? We're not, I, I haven't, I barely look like I know what I'm about to say. <laughs> the punches are a million miles away. The plot makes no sense. I look like a dickhead. <laughs> I it's, sound like so, a dickhead. Um, I brought a Tommy Wiseau. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, sure. Is it Wiseau? Wiseau? You know Wiseau, who I mean. I the know. the guy from The Room. The Room, yeah. Um, but there's, I th- there's a distinction that you can draw between someone like him and someone like Rudy Raymore. Because Rudy Raymore, in yes, in like the movies, particularly in the the original Dolomite, you know, it's you can tell he doesn't know how to make a movie, but he is anyway. Which you can also yeah. say about the room. Yeah. The the difference is in a situation like that is you can look at other things Rudy Raymore did, like his his comedy albums and his life performances, and be like, oh, like yeah, he's not. In the film, like in his performance, there is a there is a lack of self awareness, but there's also an abundance of confidence and charisma. It's and it's joy, not, you know, and as it, well, it, yeah, and and talent. Like he knows how to deliver, like the rhyming stuff that he did. Like the again, there's a reason he is considered one of the pioneers of what became rap. Like he has the a beat and a rhythm and an understanding of the crowd. You know, whereas. You then have someone like Tommy Wiseau who doesn't talk like a human being. <laughs> like it's a and it's I I can see people like watching clips from Dolomite and watching clips from the room and being like, that's the same kind of shit. But like well, the, it's it's kind of not. And it's almost hard to to pin down like an X factor that someone like I would say uh, Rudy Raymore had. I would say in the film, the way Eddie Murphy presents it, uh is uh Rudy Raymore is aware that he's an act. He's a normal man. Like He yes. works in a record store, and he gets the inspiration from like a smelly tramp who comes in and talks uh, in rhymes and does these old like hobo jokes or something. And he yeah. takes that idea and he thinks, oh, this, this, I'm doing shit like joke book jokes in a comedy club and dying on my ass. If yeah. I take that into a club and try it out as a big, a loud, like a brash, pimp-looking character, that might work. Mm-hmm. But then he directly talks to people when he's not in character and says, like, oh, this is... He explains to um, Queen Bee, right, when before she's Queen Bee, is mm-hmm. just a woman who has a fight in a bar, and he goes up to her at the end, and she thinks he's hitting on her, but actually, well, he is a bit. But, like, he explains to her, like, no, no, this is a character. The loud claws, the persona... That's a stage gimmick. It's showbiz. He understands showbiz. He understands what sells. And and not only on the stage, but like in producing a movie. It's not about um being a deluded person and an egomaniac. It's mm-hmm. um we want to sell people some he's a businessman. You 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 know what people like. You want to, to make it yourself and give it to them, and you're telling people like look, this sells, this sells, this sells. If we do this, this, and this, it'll make yeah. money, you know. And that yeah, is it's, different. It's isn't kayfabe it? to yeah. to to slot in our required wrestling reference. Sure. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's the difference between these uh, deluded people. Not not not. I don't want to just pick on Tommy Wiseau because it's he's an easy target. But uh, yeah, no, it, it was just it's the most obvious. Uh, or one of the yeah. most obvious comparisons. I absolutely hate to say it, but I suppose a better comparison could be made to Michael Bay. Well, oh, I was going to say Michael Flatley, uh, <laughs> Flatley in his uh, spy movie vanity project 
thing that he I, did. I'm the only one who can speak with authority <laughs> on Michael Fatley's output because I'm the one who's watched Bloody Blackbird. <laughs> you fucking lunatic. Why? Because uh, I, he's the Lord of the Dance and I do as the Lord of the Dance says. So I come along and watch his films. <laughs> Um, there's, no, but there's plenty of people like that, isn't it? Where they've they've decided it would be cool if I was a movie star. Just fantasy or, projects, yeah. yeah. And it's not about knowing what sells. It's 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 thinking you know what you like, and you just you wouldn't it be cool if I was James Bond or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's not. It doesn't come from a place of like thinking about entertaining a and crowd. Making money, yeah. It's about no, exactly. I want to look cool. Here's how cool I am. Yeah, and that's that's and how. Like, it's presented to us. I mean, I don't know if Rudy Ray Moore was a genius and knew, or if he was, if it was just ego. Because Billy Murphy also presents it like a desperate man who's like, "I'm gonna get fame," and it, like he, he doesn't care. He, he does in, in the movie. He says like he doesn't. He just fucking wants it, fame and success, he, and he to does... prove his old man he was worth something. You know? Yeah, but there is also, and again, th- this is the way the film presents it. So I don't know how true to life the film. Is you know I, I don't know how there's a sense that it's rom- it, there's a general there's a feeling to me like the film is let's make this into a nice feel good right. movie not base it in reality it's like but in the in the film's interpretation of it there is also an element of like he also wants the crowd like he wants that feedback like it is yeah, he's, a, just... he's an entertainer comedian yeah. he wants the yes and because at the end of the film it is he is he'd rather just perform to people. Yeah. Then, you know, sit in the cinema. Go and sit and watch his own film. Whereas if it was Michael Flatley, he wouldn't hang around with the four people, including Rich. (laughs) (laughs) He'd go go in and watch the film because he wants to see how cool he looks on the screen. Plus, there's there's also the, the fact that it is a biography movie and we've all come to expect them to kind of fudge the details a little to make the story a little work a bit more. Or compress time, expand time. Yeah. Whatever they need to yeah. do to fit it into like two hours. So yeah, it's, yeah. So it's very easy to you know, it, it makes sense that uh, he is the way he is at the beginning. Because, you know, that's part of the story and we want to root for him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird because that's this is usually how like Fall from Grace movies kind of start. Where it's like you you got the ego and then you get the success and then you fall from grace, but this isn't this isn't what this film is. That's what I was gonna sort of say later on about how they remained friends. They didn't have a falling out even when he had a little poody yeah. when they were in the uh, cafe, the diner, diner. That's the word. And oh, they were like strawberry no, shortcakey in motherfucker. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, like, I like the guy says I like strawberry shortcake. <laughs> like, yeah. Was- it's not the issue here. <laughs> yeah, they remained friends, and it wasn't a downfall story. Like, yeah, up mm. and downs like you normally would, but his arc wasn't, oh, I was just ruined. Yeah, it wasn't like the wrestler. Yeah. We do a nice... Is... Yeah. They do a nice joke at the start where uh, Snoop Dogg is playing a DJ, and Eddie Murphy is like kind of trying to sell him like he's a producer of a bunch of records to put on as if he's got some sort of invested interest in whatever the artists are on the records, and they're like all slightly out of date. What? They're all him. No, it's him. Twit. Oh, right. I, well, even the dingly dongly one. Yes. 
Yeah, because he's been he's been trying to get into showbiz any way he can forever. Oh, right, 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 so right. he's been making these like you know these are songs from fuck knows when that he did years ago. That's why uh, Dog's character Rog. But it, it, I can't remember. But it was the sa- there was the sales pitch that a producer would make to a, a yeah. record company. You know, it wouldn't. It, it's all the more deep degrading the fact that he's doing it himself. And then they do the nice reveal that Snoop Dogg is just a DJ in the records store. They yeah. work. They still can't get <laughs> so even Yeah, even in the place he works, he can't get him to play it. <laughs> yeah. And that's a nice, uh, nice little, you know, reveal. Um, I think they say it before they, they reveal it, but it becomes all the more clear when they pan out. You don't, yeah, you, he says it, but you don't realise it's his record store that he also is the, like, uh, assistant manager in. Yes. Um, and so... That that places him in time as well. Of this is a man who's tried to be famous and successful. They also show that his uh, night his nighttime hobby job or whatever is is emceeing at a, a club with like you know singers and stuff. And he wears a, the, the thing that's weird in this film, right? So there's lots of seventies terrible clothes. It's like we're at the height of disco, so everyone's like ridiculously dressed. The most, the most social. <laughs> they got collars for days. Yeah, oh. co- just a f- like twenty feet of collar almost. In some <laughs> so what? What I like about the film though is, so he has like uh, MC lounge comedian clothes. It's like frilly shirt, loud, uh, you know, jacket, and and then he has street clothes, which are like loud, horrible shirts and trousers. And then he's like, I've come up with a great character where he puts on loud, colourful clothes. <laughs> my eyes. These are all the fucking same clothes. Granddad seventies clothes. But you're saying this particular selection of suit, that's a clanging seventies pimp. And this 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 is just your fucking walking around horrible clothes, I see. The I one of the things I really liked about this was the progression of the outfits as the film goes on. Like yeah. the more money they have, the the more famous he gets. The more they do, the more spectacular suits he starts to wear, and then it culminates at the end of the film whenever he goes in to talk to the producer producers at uh, Dimension, where uh, what's his name has a little cameo, Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Um, he is dressed in the most phenomenal white suit and hat. Yeah. Uh, I was just watching it thinking like, I wish I was a black guy so I could look that cool. <laughs> it's like, it's just uh, all of them as well. And even the one who has hot sauce on his shirt. If you wore, if you wore any of these clothes, if you'd, you know, become a black man inexplicably after I don't know, rubbing a lamp or something, <laughs> like you've had your wish, you'd still look like uh, a dated man who hits women. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't be cool in this day and age. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He wasn't cool then. He was like a loud persona. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I think we have to give special mention to his premiere suit, which is like a mix oh, between a suit. suit and a sailor suit, which caught me off guard. That was yeah. Yeah, I don't know quite what he was going for with that one. Kind of like <laughs> uh, like Harlem Godfather Donald Duck. <laughs> It was more understated than the others, but that somehow made it more conspicuous. I think I should have had a sailor hat on. Yeah, I think my favorite Popeye. Oh dear! Oh, don't eat your spinach! You'll be backhanding olive. 
Um, <laughs> showing her your fucking pimp cane. I think my favourite of the outfits was like uh, the baby puke green velvet suit that he, I think he might start with, with like, I don't know if he has like a pink carnation or something. It's just. Which just, was a tuxedo but, that he actually owned. Yeah. I want to point that out. Yeah, that oh, was just God. in the wardrobe. And you go, what? How, how did anyone put on that colour and think, yeah. Yeah, I look I look good? <laughs> like, brilliant. And like and like you say, all of the characters uh, occasionally wear loud, uh, flamboyant seventies clothes. The statement pieces, all of them, and then some of the hairdos as well. Like because you got Eddie Murphy is wearing, uh, I guess, a, a wig to play the character, but then another yeah. bigger wig for uh, when he's Dolomite who, who in the clubs and stuff, or well, he's he's Ru- Rudy Ray Moore, uh, um, but doing Dolomite. That's the idea, isn't it? And Dolomite yeah. is a sort of semi-folklore persona of this ultimate guy who really good at sex and um, <laughs> I don't know fucks animals I think is one of the main through lines. Yeah, well a lot of the um a lot of the bits he does are all kind of derived from much older like um African American street poetry. Just smutty rhymes though. Or I guess like... like black American street. But yeah, but they go back yeah. further to like I guess apparently the the signifying monkey thing is a oh, like it's a, like a black folklore thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I started looking at it after it started coming because like so much of it came up in the movie and it was these repeated phrases and terms. That I was like, where does this come from? So then I went down a rabbit hole of trying to like find that stuff. But um, it's really interesting. It's interesting. There's a cross section between the poet that uh, Rudy Ray Moore in real life. Uh, one of the poets he recorded when he was like developing his his bit his show uh, was a guy called Big Brown who was a f- I think like former boxer and then turned poet and right. he was like influenced a lot of like beat poetry he influenced Bob Dylan like yeah. and he like he's one of those people that is like forgotten outside of the people who like know their history about this kind of stuff but has a huge influence on stuff that we everyone hears all the yeah. time and it's also like uh at that time uh there was the mainstream acceptable stuff for that even like uh outside of his sex crimes bill cosby had to do white person material to fit in yeah. and get success i think that it was a turning point where like even comedians like richard pryor were like well the, the stuff that it will is the funniest and therefore the stuff we should do is stuff you'd say in the street to people. And yeah, it's you the, know, Richard Pryor was a big advocate of just of a big advocate of just talking to winos and the funniest yeah. chats are just in the street round a fucking trash campfire talking shit with your mates or people like drunk people. You know? I mean, like that's absolutely true. Like the the worst kind of stand up comedy is the safe family friendly stuff. Like it's just nothing. Yeah, but then there's at the same time sometimes edge lord stuff is the most like. Well, yeah, I mean, a, there has to be there has to be a balance. Like your whole act can't be oh, aren't trans people gross and weird? Versus like, uh, uh, oh, isn't it funny when you go shopping? Like it's like <laughs> you, there's a sweet spot in the middle. I think there's a wide spectrum of comedy that that can work, and uh, you know, it's just a, a, a taste and a. And, um, I think when you when you when mainstream hasn't gone done this stuff before, it's it's yeah. uh, more powerful than now. When you know you can say whatever you want and it's fine. 
it's it's more interesting when it when the taboo like it's not taboo if you can easily get your work out there and say right. a lot of awful stuff right but effing and jeffing <laughs> and talking about cocks and being very base and like appealing to that demographic you know at um, the time yeah is is more of a challenge than it is now where yeah some of the most successful comedians have bits like that you know yeah it's the equivalent of of like punk when it originally emerged versus like what it became and you know if people do it now it's not really like it's not a new thing that is exciting and and challenging yeah and it also you know uh i think it's 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 uh, the way you go about it as well. It, it, anything can be funny if if it if you convey it in the right way. If you're given the right context, I think. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, but you know, this is this is lowbrow stuff. This is him realizing, like Ru- Rudy comes to the conclusion that if I basically punch up some of the dialogue I've I've heard of these, you know, people who don't get any attention like you know in the film it's just some some uh homeless people he chats to and he records them and pays them and you know off off he pops so i don't know i don't, know. I don't want to discuss whether or not that's plagiarism or whatever because the 70s was comedy was understood that there's are jokes that everyone owns we just tell them it's how you tell them or whatever but like he, he did this... change some stuff in the film at least yeah, he puts yeah. it together and he it's it's remixing the stuff that yeah. it's it's like sampling homeless people. <laughs> sure. And then so he, he he makes it into a sort of act and then his his even polished up and as a concept that, that has a setting and a character and an understanding between a performer and the audience, it's still like this new risky thing he's trying out and it doesn't have broad appeal. Like you can make you can sell records. They show that you know you can sell records out your car when you gets when they get records made, uh, and you could be popular within like they say like a few five blocks of your neighborhood. Yeah. Like, but has it got a wider appeal? And uh, I think the answer of the film was like, well, there's five blocks in every city, and they'll go mad for this yeah. shit, and they you know, and it's it's a valid point, but uh, it's so remarkable <laughs> to make what he did work because I think any person who runs a club, they just want it to make money. They don't want to push the envelope and try new stuff. They just want to make sure people come and pay. Yeah, right? he as the film shows, he has to he had to just go up and do it after being told not to for the manager to see people actually like laughing and enjoying it. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's something I appreciate. Before watching the film, I wouldn't have known like, oh the bloke who made Dolomite was amongst all the comedians trying to like you know you kind of can put it it it, it presents it in a category like similar to like Lenny Bruce or Richard Pryor or George Carlin or something where it's like yeah these are legitimate artists pushing the envelope and setting trends before their time right yeah. uh, and it's something I wouldn't have known I would have just gone oh yeah there's those weird movies that guy made right so that was interesting but it's still a very cookie cut. <laughs> like it's still a very like. I never know how much to believe of the film. I mean, I know for a fact that the film they make at the end is supposed to be like the Dolom. They're making a movie of Dolomite, the character, and it's a kind of hodgepodge of ideas. Yeah, so he, he's he's getting the community of people. He's getting anyone he knows involved, 
and they're going to just make it, and it's like a it's a bizarre mix of things. And the movie they make is like a mix of the movies he made, so it's like technically yeah. that's not right. That scene is not in that film. This it's like we're we're taking it and homogenizing his output. So I guess well, they're the most dynamic it's... to show in the movie that Eddie Murphy think... is making. I was thinking that because I have seen Dolomite and I was like, I don't remember this sex scene in Dolomite. Uh, Where the roof falls in and all the uh, stuff shaking. I think part of it is, and I guess you could argue whether it's it's doing a disservice to actually telling the story, but I think part of the idea is they are deliberately kind of mythologizing Rudy Raymore and Dolomite in the way that he kind of wanted like one of the things that i thought after it ended was like he so the so rudy raymore died in 2008 i think yeah um i would have been interested to have like if he'd been around to see this film like what he would have thought of it um he would have been complimented especially think probably i mean i i thought i i remember i thought like oh it's a shame that he didn't see this get made because like even if it isn't accurate it's a it's a really like it's a love letter to him and his influence more than anything i um, think he got dusted off uh, in the 90s and presented to tv audiences as yeah, the godfather well, he also, of comedy you know like, so, also, i think there were people who gave him his dues in his lifetime well i think he he got a ton of praise from like the rap like rap and hip hop community as time went on like i th- i think he and he was an influence and appreciated by a lot of people. So, yeah. Abby, as someone who uh, didn't have any context for the the story, do, did this? So it presents to you his story in a in a palatable way. Does that? Uh, how does it? You know, you're reacting to it without anything else to contextualize it or to you know, you take this as well. This is what it was like. Then is that a problem? You think that? you might watch this and go, that is the story as I understand it, or do you watch it with a sense of, oh, well, I obviously know it's probably not directly true, but the gist is seen right. enough biopics to know it's a mixture of a genuine timeline and your greatest hits. Mm. They're going to try and get it all in there if they can. So obviously I couldn't pick out which bits didn't quite belong where and stuff like that but I knew that this is going to be a mixture of the two I also it came out a little bit as someone who has like fumbled a film together from what you could get with the people that you had yeah. and in theatre as well there was a very good sense of oh I know the kind of person you are to be able mm. to do this half delusion half the most resourceful person that's ever lived. It kind of makes me think of, uh, speaking of theatre, like it triggered the fact that like we did a bit from Amadeus for Mm. like uh, A-level exams. And um, like that play in that film, it's kind of a similar thing of like, well, it's not a, it's not a literal like true storytelling of their life. It's a dramatization that kind of, Tries to capture the essence of of what happened and who those people were. Yeah, and even the best documentaries color it from the perspective, yeah. usually of fans talking about something they love. So, uh, I think it's just you know when you watch anything, have the sense to realize that things aren't literally fact as presented. You, it's a it, artistic interpretation. Uh, 
so yeah, I think it could, you know, if you're not, I always take it as sort of to understand that some stuff isn't quite right. Yeah, I take it more as like the broad strokes of it. It's like, oh, this era that he was in, this Hmm. type of neighborhood that he was in. The communities were like this. The challenges would be of this nature. Yeah. But also, like you, it's an interesting point you raised, Abby. Not only is it and like it's a celebration of a guy, but it's also, uh, it's saying how good it is when people work together and do something when they when everyone else says they couldn't do it. They like he it presents Rudy as like, look, even though none of us have are expert in anything or to do with making movies. You know, we all have skills that can be applicable if we all work together and do our little part. Uh, we have confidence. We can make a movie when no one else would try, and we can mm. cobble it together. And it makes a virtue of people working for the passion of it. Like we can't offer you loads of money, uh, and we're going to have to like do crimes, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> steal electricity. I mean, you know, it's going to be a health and safety nightmare, and we're going to nick electricity, and we're going to. Beg, borrow, and steal, and convince people to give us money, and and he put up his own cash as well. The money he'd made, he'd made uh, coming up with Dolomite and making records and being, he becomes a hit as a comedian uh, in the first part of the film, and then it's like a transition to uh, to really go worldwide. We should make a, I want to make a film because like there's a really good scene in this where. They're like, oh, should we go to the cinema just for fun? Yeah, let's watch a Jack Lemmon film and be absolutely <laughs> bored to tears and baffled why all the white people are chucking. Surrounded by white a white audience who think it's the funniest thing they've ever seen, and they're just yeah, the the whatever, however many there are, like five of them sitting or four of them who went. To, no, it is five went to see the movie, and just the five black people in the cinema just not understanding why anyone thinks this is funny. Has anyone seen that film? Like, was it about newspapers and stuff? Was it? I can't remember. Um, My, I haven't, but it kind of does look like the kind of shit I would think was funny. I like Jack Lebon and Martin Landau, so. <laughs> oh, and I and I'm in love with Susan Sarandon because, of course, it's a different mindset to watch that comedy to the kind of comedies yeah. that uh, Dolomite ends up making or Rudy. Yeah, but I, it, like it's a fair point of it. But I think he came. He came to the notion of it doesn't. You kind of laugh at stuff if it's given the space to be treated as something worthy of going to see. So he's a club comedian. He sells records out of cars. That's like, oh yeah, okay, you're down here. But if as soon as you're on the big screen, it's like, oh well, you must be, you must be worthy of it. Then and it's yeah. a bit like when artists are like, uh, if if you just do your little. If you do your little artworks, your little patronizing. If you do artwork and you just, you know, it's it's small and if if you don't do your artwork on a massive canvas in an art gallery, then it's not of value. Then you have to have the setting to convince people that it's worth your attention. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not even yeah. whether your art is good or bad. Sometimes it's just how you present it, and you you get well, it... permission to be taken seriously uh, if you're. If you've made a movie, then oh, you must be a big deal. Then you know it kind of um, it addresses that whenever he goes looking for someone to write his movie, and he goes and sees uh, Keegan Michael Key's or... character. Oh right, is it um, Jim Jim Jones? I think or something. It's it? not Jim Jones. That's what? a different historical figure. Oh no, that's the Jerry <laughs> Jones. Jerry Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Where we go? Um. Yeah, and it's it. Uh, he, uh, all of the convincing he has to do. 
to and like how different their art is but that they end up that was one of the things to speak to what abby was saying about it being generally a quite uplifting biopic which is i feel is fairly rare um the fact that they as different types of artists don't end up like falling out in the film like they end up kind of bonding and also teaming up against Wesley Snipes' character. But yeah, they on. have their differences as they go along, but they just yeah. get through it, move on, and carry on. Um, Rich mentioned this in the chat before, uh, before we started, and I did want to highlight it here. This is where we get a sort of exorcist connection. Right, it's really easy, exorcist connection, because they literally quote the exorcist and bring it yeah. up as a subject. But um, it is one of those moments of like, it's a perfect example of great Eddie Murphyness in the scene where he's like workshopping ideas for what could be in the film, and he's just making up shit on the spot as uh, Jerry's trying to write an actual screenplay, and it's just him going through like kung, kung fu and him doing like fake kung fu moves and the fucking noises, the yeah. and all that. I think uh, like, I think the film we would have got would have been Panic in Needle Park or something if it hadn't have been for all the. Like yeah, <laughs> there and like, but like um, exorcisms that got didn't make it. Oh in this god, time. yeah, him doing I think, the, I think in, the sucks cocks in hell. <laughs> there, there is some stuff like that in the in her in the human. Yeah, hurricane. one of his films has a has an um, exorcism. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. fuck it, why not? Yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> but I like that. Yeah, I like the delivery of like they're talking about corruption. The May and he's kind of he kind of goes into the other room and then while Jerry's writing, um. It's Ray saying, and there should be an exorcism. Yeah. Just out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I think he gets something out of the fridge. And then yeah. he says it. He's like, what? <laughs> but it isn't but like it's... you you're it's not it's not a big a big scene about you're compromising my serious tone. It's just they like, all right, yeah. then that's what we're doing then, is it? You know? Sure. Yeah. Um I like uh, just the whatever. tone that Jerry took to sort of talk him down a little bit there. Yeah. That's how I wish people would talk to Vince McMahon and they don't. <laughs> I mean, let's not get I mean, I think he'll... again. <laughs> yeah. The difference is Rudy Ray Moore will kind of look at you and then realise that, you know, oh, yeah. Whereas, like, Vince McMahon might have you killed for disagreeing with him at this point. <laughs> So one of the things this film does rather nicely is it doesn't forget it's a comedy and it has loads of like amusing bits that are uh, conducive to you enjoying the characters. And uh, Anthony, I was wondering, you you were a bit concerned maybe this will be like a meh Netflix hmm. biopic. Did you did it tick enough boxes in terms of the the humor? Did it litter enough funny character moments for it for it to go up a notch, or did it just is it just standard what you would expect? No, it was good, and you know, I think Jamie's mentioned that Eddie Murphy performances and films can be very up and down. Yeah, and there's still like a tendency when you're watching an Eddie Murphy film for the Eddie Murphy patter which can get a bit grating in his uh, lesser quality films. Like he has so, a kind of grandpa voice he's leaning into a little bit for. Like he has a kind of older guy character that he does sometimes. Yeah, it's his, this uh, is a it's bit, his, bit like that. It's his Thurgood voice from the PJs. Ah. Hmm. But luckily, that is not really a part of this. And he just gives a really solid performance. Very, um, what's the word? Like... Grounded? 
Kind yeah. of. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to think. There's, there's, it doesn't feel like there's much improvisation, which he's very good at, well, most of the time in like the films. It felt very structured before. He's, he's got a job to do, and it's to get over the fact that this guy is cool when you might not think so coming in, and that he's a likeable guy. And a, he's got to have a community leader spirit. Because even when Wesley Snipes is convinced to be in the film, when he leaves as the director at the end, where he's like, oh, I'm sick of this shit. This was really like podunk <laughs> nonsense. And he leaves with, he's like got like a suit that's got all in, entrails coming oh, out of it. it. Yeah. And he leaves and then he even comes back and goes, oh, I won't see you in the premiere. Well, like, there will, probably won't be one. So yeah. Bye anyway. <laughs> and then Eddie Murphy gets to be the one and be like, well, he, he every, all of his people are like, he's the leader. So I guess that's the role Eddie Murphy has to do with this is be like, the, the the he's not the director of the film he's making, but he, he's the the leader of the group. He's the producer. Mm-hmm. He's the he's he's the you know the cheerleader for everyone. And then the, the so it's a different role for him. It's not just can you make us laugh all the time, isn't it? He's got a different job to do in this movie. Plus, you know, he does get to essentially play more than one character, which I guess he's kind of famous for, because like uh, one of the. One of the things I liked was that there was definite at the beginning there were bits where he's kind of like starting to learn the the material and like yeah. he's delivering it and it's like this is not very good kind of thing. Yeah. But then he's he's also capable of pulling it off. Yeah, because so uh, you know, good to see yeah. both of those sides. Yeah, I felt like there was one moment where I felt like they were trying to be they were trying to elevate what the story was about beyond what. Um, it maybe is worthy of, right? And it was the scene where he's so they take over an old, I don't know, it's like a rundown venue that has uh, crackheads and homeless people in. Oh, yeah, Dunbar, Dunbar Hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's like done a deal with a landlord that, like, if I get the people out, I'm the janitor and therefore we're not buying the studio. And it's a money saving thing. And he, but he has to like live there because he can't rent a flat or something. So he's got this kind of by hook or by crook, we're going to do this. And he's living in. Uh, the studio space that he's come up with. And then there's a moment where he finds an old photograph of a bunch of... Oh, I guess it's like an old photograph of his family and his dad's in the picture. Yeah. And he pulls that out and he starts doing his Dolomite character, but making jokes up about what a rat soup-eating motherfucker <laughs> this guy is or whatever. And I was like, you're just trying to say part of the reason he was motivated was to show his dad uh, I, that he could do it. I'm like, come on. Is Yes, it, I agree. Is, it was, that was one of the parts of the film where I was like, do we need this scene? Like, nothing really happens. It doesn't... It's not a, like, it's not I already understand this. I don't show. need... Yeah. A man can just yeah. do something because he's he wants to be famous and successful. Like, he wants to be a comedian or a singer well, he's or already, an actor. Well, it doesn't, he's not already... Showing his he's dad already said like him. there was the scene... Well, they they do drop that in earlier when he's walking with uh, yeah. his 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 guy, his friend who's gay, and it's treated very casually, which I thought was nice. Um, oh God, I can't remember the character's name. You know who I mean? The finance guy. Yes, his like right hand man who's with him for the whole. Yeah, it's it's thing. not a it's barely a plot point. Yeah. Um, but he's they're walking down the street and he's talking about how his his dad that he grew up with wasn't even really his dad and was just, would just beat him and whatever yeah but like 
that's kind of all we needed. Like we didn't need. Yeah. I don't think we needed that scene later on. That we don't was need very, him getting out a photograph like, and staring yeah. into the mirror. That's too bad. Like it's that fine seemed, that that was a very like hacky biopic kind of yeah. scene. Mm. I, I, like and when he he gets the the play the playwright guy, he gets on side by like saying, "Oh, we're both from like Arkansas. We both left Arkansas mm. to come to LA and make it." And it's and the guy's like, "Whatever, we're from Arkansas." But it's like, no, no, no. We both left Arkansas. That's the point, isn't it? We we know how shit that is. That's that's the common bond there. And you go, yeah, okay, like it, that's a different place and a it, it it's a shorthand and it's something that gives him a sense of why why he's in the like why he's in LA uh, or whatever. And um, I do, you know I, I I don't mind giving someone context and backstory. I just think oh like just fuck off with this. Like that that feels like cheap worthy stuff. We're already doing like a little uh you know sentimental piece about a, a, a really down and dirty subject matter. Like it's already at, at times I was thinking this is a little too chintzy and nice for yeah, the material I, yeah. it's elevating. You know, it's it's Eddie Murphy saying this stuff is so influential on modern so important to rap and comedy. It, let's put it in a museum under glass. And you go, no, 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 no. You should make a shit film about Dolomite that celebrates it in the way that Dolomite makes movies. Like, there's a film, uh, oh, fuck, what's it called? Uh, Black Dynamite, right? That's, yeah. that's oh, yeah. like a parody, yeah, yeah. parody black exploitation, and that is, you know, it's it's still too high a quality to truly parody <laughs> black exploitation, but I'm... it's celebrating that genre in its own genre. If you know what I mean? Yeah. The problem with that is. If they'd done that and had the scenes of them making the film, I feel like that would have been put in a hat on a hat. It would be because a bit too meta like, as well, it, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas having yeah. it be fairly grounded and then show how ridiculous the film they make is makes like the contrast works better. Um yeah. but I do think there are a few moments, then not many of them, which surprised me. Um but there are a couple a couple of moments at least in this film where it is a little bit like kind of schmaltzy typical biopic stuff that could have just been cut. Yeah, like, I get I get that you want to present the man himself as likeable, that, oh, you know, he chats to the fans and he he, he has a little uh, rap-off with a kid in the uh, who's queuing for his movies. Mm. And, you know, there's little things that are chintzy and, like, filmic, <laughs> you know, and not filmic in the way that, you know, Rudy Ray Moore wanted to make things filmic. Uh, I don't know. Abby, how do you feel about it as a... Because it, it, to me, it feels like a very 7 out of 10 movie, but because of the subject matter and the people in it, it's really likeable, right? But do you do you think there's any potential for it to be better or worse? You know, what do you actually... Just what do you think of this Netflixifying uh, <laughs> something from the past like this? Fuck it out. You I know, I'm not pretty good at talking. I don't, all right? You know this. But deal with all those words however you want. <laughs> <laughs> it has a few minor missteps which stop it from being, like, really, really good. But at the same time, it's what also makes it warm. And mm. I'd rather it mm. be warm than perfect, if that makes any sense. I agree with that because of what said earlier about the like it's a surprise that it doesn't have any kind of downer ending and like it's a pleasant 
surprised that it doesn't. It's nice that it, it kind of ends on a high, and I was like, oh, that was just really, that was kind of heartwarming at the end, and there was, everyone in it was good and nice, and he went on to live for a long time and be recognised as a legend. Isn't that pleasant? Isn't that fucking rare that something yeah. good happened to someone? <laughs> and the movie is aware that Dolomite movies are still a bit shit because they have that scene oh, where yeah. they're, going, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. going to the premiere in the, in the limousine and all the people who've worked on it, like Queen Bee, and Do- like who is a woman he's convinced from nowhere to become her own self, like a comedian in her own right. I mean, I don't know uh, the facts of her life, but you know they've presented her as like, yeah, it, you know, she has a better life because he saw something in her. And they're in the back of the limousine talking about what they've done and they're reading the reviews, and it's like, it's aware that the critics think they're shit, but yet, well, we've still got the fans, haven't we? And we still oh, we still did it. He says it himself, people will want to come and see it because of the negative press, which is... Because of yeah. all the horrible words, the, the vulgarity and the swearing and the smut. I want to give props to this movie for having one of the most truthful lines in cinema history. Critics don't want to have fun. <laughs> they they don't <laughs> and they're absolutely right and that's why the critical reaction to their film was absolutely irrelevant to their success also you know it means we can't do a negative review because we're just sad curmudgeons have been parodied then don't we <laughs> kind of it's a good Fuck. job we've we've got in with generally mo- modestly high praise because if we sat here going, silly bollocks, Dolomite was rubbish, and then they're making a film saying how good it was, just just, just swearing and talking about willies, disgusting. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you, you have... vulgar rubbish. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you have one person on the, on the fucking podcast who defends... No, I don't defend, but who... You get a perverse simps. pleasure out of hurting yourself. Yes. Just say it. What do you What do you do, Jamie? for the Super Mario Brothers movie of yore? Yeah, because you know now that there's another one on the horizon or out, we're all going to just talk, we're going to do Super Mario Brothers connections from now on in the podcast, but not to the shitty one that you love. That's your boyfriend, but to the new one, which is superior. <laughs> of course, it's better. It's got it's got different white people voicing Italian Americans, and that's. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, he no, he's he is right, and I feel like now he's more right than ever because now critics aren't even allowed to be positive because that doesn't get clicks. You have to you have to be angry and negative in order for people to click on the link. Um, but like, which is why I keep doing trans material that winds everyone up. <laughs> I keep saying how how awful they are and how their bathrooms are not on and all uh, that they can. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always at the top of the Twitter feed, and that um, it's, it's the same. In 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 forty years' time, we're going to be looking back at com- billionaire comedians who said the unsayable and saying <laughs> well, they were pioneers who set the trend for the future of comedy by being a bit horrible <laughs> about and unnecessarily punching down. Um, I do think well, the the. The stuff about the film having that like kind of dull Netflixiness, um, I think it's easy to not pick up on that stuff with this film in particular because of the cast. Um, 
I mean, the fact that you're know, like Wesley Snipes is like a get is was just so enjoyable, and it, it, it was the, oh, we were saying how it doesn't really have like high like big controversial breakups, but he's kind of the spoiler to them all, isn't he? Because he's this kind of he's introduced as well as this actor who's you know had a bit part in Rosemary's Baby, yeah. And he is in like a strip club and is just approached by Eddie Murphy's people to be like, "Do you want to be in a film?" And he's like, "If I was white, you wouldn't come up to me in a club. You talk to my agency." So there's he's got a chip on his shoulder, but then he also is like up for being the director if he's offered a role, you know. So that's the Wesley Snipes is this. Who's the actor he's playing actually? Uh I had it in front of me. Um, it is. Uh, is it Duvel? What's his last name? Anyway, it's Dervell Martin. Thank you. So yeah, he plays Dervell Martin. What were you going to say about Wesley Snipes and Jamie? He's fucking phenomenal in this film. <laughs> um, he's it just I for some reason, even though he's he is always everything I've seen him in, he's always doing a little bit of comedy. Um, yeah. Like, but I always associate him with like action movies. Yeah. Um, but he he is also very like naturally funny and like actually funny <laughs> like yeah. um what, and what him my, and what Eddie favorite, play off he, each other really well. They do. One of my favorite scenes, just as an example, is uh, Eddie Murphy's doing his actually from the movie Dolomite scene where he's fighting mm-hmm. like a bunch of white guy FBI agents or something about like who are trying to bust <laughs> him for having drugs in his car or something. And he, that's happening in the background. And Wesley Slipes, as the director, has turned away and is no longer watching the scene. <laughs> and then begrudgingly is, agrees that, yeah, cut. It, does, yeah. it does, doesn't even matter. <laughs> there's no there's no way to film that to make it look real, is there? And then the white kids who are like students oh. have been pulled in to direct are like, no, there's there's no angle where that looks I real. Really, <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, Cody. Is it Cody Smith McPhee who plays the main like uh, like the DP what, student? White boy film nerds who have been yeah. convinced that they can slum and do this film. Um, but yeah, I I really liked him. I liked how earnest he was, um, and it really seemed like he was trying to help. Um, but yeah, I like yeah. that. No, no, there is no such angle. <laughs> there was a very better call Saul vibe to the the film students being pulled in to make cheap shit and with, mm. a, with a swindling con man convincing them, yeah, look, um, you make do with this and talking them up and 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 like making it okay that the like uh like the it's quite funny when he talks to the caterer guy who's like you don't worry you don't have to take oh, yeah. You don't have to take orders from you just provide the food, yeah? So you just I... you just feed the honkies. Yeah. Um but the uh oh god, um the bit where he's fighting with uh Jerry and Rudy, um with Keegan Michael Key and Eddie Murphy about uh, the script and he calls them like jibber jabber and then walks off. And then <laughs> there's a there's the other great bit where he, he after that he leans into the room and Cody Smith McPhee's character asks him about the lighting, and he says, "How about we do it with the light off, so we don't have to see the scene?" <laughs> um, but then, uh, uh, then, I want to go back to the bit, the kung fu fighting the FBI guys, because there's two bits. It's another choice line where, uh, where Sipe says, "I see no reason to do it again." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the tilt of the head he does as well. The lean. Yeah. Yeah. Was it as good as Shaft? And he just goes, he just tips his head and says nothing. <laughs> it's so funny. 
Um, is that what you're going to say? Abby? Is that that's, the that's the yes. Thank you so much for stealing that from me. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it has, anything it, else you want me to say for? <laughs> well, it, what what puts the like the exclamation point on that that makes it really work is after he does the head head tilt, Eddie Murphy turns back around with a huge smile on his face because he's <laughs> taken it as a yes. <laughs> but um, no, and when uh, Rudy after he like says about turning the lights off so he doesn't have to see the scene, and Rudy like chastises him, and then it, like. Uh, Wesley Snipes' character is like trying not to cry <laughs> for being told off. Yeah, and he just, like wipes under his eyes and like <laughs> swallows. And us. Oh God! He's and it's a sick. it's a good it's a good point from uh, Rudy's character. Like uh, Eddie Murphy as Rudy is like, we've never done this before. Cut us some fucking. We're literally yeah. none of us know what we're doing. We can you know take it. It give us like a fucking chance to learn. You know, it's basically it? stopping such a prick. Like that's the high and mighty who had one line in Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Even the people who do know what they're doing know because they learnt it like a week ago in film school. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I was it was it was terrifying when they go. They're like convinced to go nick electricity. There's these huge sparks. You're like, I might have just killed some white kids, guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that might be a problem. Um, I I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Lady Reed as well. Um, yeah, sure. Divine Joy Randolph is the actor who plays her. Um, Fantastic name. Yeah, I know. Um, she's also again like no, I, it's it seems redundant to say how good everyone is in this film because like ev- everyone is. But um, I didn't know anything about her. Like I knew a bit about Rudy Ray Moore, but I didn't know anything about Lady Reed. So she did have her own like comedy albums and stuff from yeah. like with him or working with him. Um, Some terrible duet comedy songs as well. But <laughs> and, and actually, oh, in the film Dolomite, she's probably one of the better. Actors, actors yeah even though uh, at least according to this film she was deeply self-conscious um no i'm sorry but their like fake country song with the fucking titties is yeah. fucking amazing <laughs> um is it but, though or is it i mean absolute revolt <laughs> how could, I mean, you'd laugh at how like bass and Class As someone who really doesn't like country music, to me it was very funny. Um, sure. But uh, no, she's really good in this. As like, I like how she does. She becomes like an anchor for him after he sort of lifts her out of the life she has. Um, and I really like the way she's introduced by punching someone. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. The, like he, she's hit first, isn't it? And he's like, look, uh, Eddie Murphy's looking yeah. at the curtain. She, and then she fucking lamps the guy back and says, <laughs> and it's like, oh. Uh, I like Eddie Murphy saw, or rather, Rudy saw that and went, yeah, she could be a comedian because oh, yeah. she could punch <laughs> a guy. She's a tough cookie, I guess. Well, he, no, he noticed her charisma first. And then as he was just sort of watching her while he was waiting to go on stage, she clubbed someone. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to talk to that woman. <laughs> <laughs> she was charismatic yeah. and she has punched a man twice her size. I mean, her, her story about uh, thinking about her husband fucking one of their donkeys while he's <laughs> humping away on top of her, and because uh, it's about um, Rudy being self-conscious because he has to do a sex scene, and she. But this t- is also this is also a man who got absolutely naked to do an album cover <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a, like a record producer. I think it's I think it's different when you're on film and it's moving. 
Also, that was for the yeah, comedy. Maybe. He knew what he was doing with the naked picture was funny. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, so, also, good yeah, excuse the, uh, to get in some actual sexy women to get their clothes off. Because yeah. you've got to appeal to the base people who like black exploitation, and the way to do it is to have you know scenes in strip clubs and naked actresses. I, yeah, her saying whenever her husband used to climb on top of her, and she would imagine she would imagine him fucking one of their donkeys to amuse herself, and Eddie Murphy's uh, reaction being like, "That doesn't help me at all." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good stuff. And the and also it you know it shows the the virtue of you if you're gonna have an obligatory sex scene. You, and you look how he looks then. Oh, well, saying, saying that, Eddie Murphy as him looks like a podgy old man. The, you know, man himself didn't look too bad. I thought that whenever I like compared some clips, I was like, Rudy was in better shape than Eddie Murphy is in this film. <laughs> he's, a, like, he's a taller man and a, looks a bit more hench as well. Like he, he has, he's yeah, he's got that... Uh, Actually, has a similar physique to me in that, like, there's muscle under there, but it's also padded in places. <laughs> it's a protective layer. Yeah, I'm sure your wife thinks of donkeys as well, mate. <laughs> Anthony, you, having seen uh, if a long time ago, uh, at least Dolomite, how, how do you think uh, the parallels between how they present the stuff and the actual films are? Do you think. Was there any, like, Connections between the real films and this film that you were pleased with or disappointed in, or you know, any comments about that? I can't say I remembered it that well to be able to. It was a while uh, ago for me as well, for when yeah, I watched them. To properly answer that question, sure. Um, but there's there's two other films I can think of that are pretty much this film. Yeah. That's obviously the disaster artist which we brought up before. Yeah. Also, um Edward by Tim Burton. Oh, oh yeah. We're all about uh, kind of like a love letter to shite cinema. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm just uh interested that they all kind of like end the same way where it's um yes, you've made a bad film, but actually you've made something that people kind of love mm. for being bad and it's not and it's not about the it's not about the talent it's um it's about like the the effort and the love put into it yeah the passion for it and that that shows that the next generation who might take influence from it will go on and produce even well, better things the fact that those people have then had films made about them it's sort of a testament to them having an impact and a and a place, even if they didn't make necessarily the yeah. thing they set out to make. Or mm, yeah. I would argue maybe Rudy Raymore did. Yes, more so than uh, Edward, I think. And we uh, think we're we're some of because of what we've been doing for the last ten years, watching a wide range, mainly quite terrible films. <laughs> <Hey. laughs> We have, <laughs> but I'm gonna say it's like I think we have found that appreciation, you know. You can tell when people make something and they care, and you can tell mm. when it's sort of tossed off garbage. We've definitely learned to find the fun in. <laughs> in... Yeah, you can, that's it, isn't it? It's, it's it doesn't matter if something's good or bad. It, you if it has something you can latch onto, then it's worth doing in a way. I mean, isn't it? there's a reason that like any one of us 
will watch something like Dolomite and be like, that is hilariously terrible and I love it. Versus yeah, you, yeah, someone no, puts a, a Marvel movie on and I just go, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. I suppose. <laughs> like, it's... it's yeah. And which one is more successful? You know, like, um, it's, well, uh, it, it's more, like, financially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mean. This was, like, you know, not to take it away from Ruby <laughs> Rainbow, it was financially his movies did yeah, well, right? Yeah, that's true. They said it made over $10 million at the time. So I'd be quite mm. curious to know, like, if you account for inflation, where it sits now. Yeah, I mean, it's... Because it's never in anyone's, like, oh, top 100 films of all time. But it's like, if you did it on box office, would it be? I don't think so. <laughs> but I think it, it, if you put it into other categories, like uh, movies of its type, it, it's, it's done all Yeah, right, it's, it's it? probably one of the biggest, like, cult movies. Yeah. Abby, you had a comparison when we were watching it. You brought up to me. Uh, when we, sorry, Abby, you mentioned the comparison that this film made you think of. Do you want to? Well, say... it had that similar community spirit to be kind rewind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're making movies as well in that, and they're, they're celebrating like the past, and they're also, you know, I mean, they're Swedish movies. They they're doing you know their own little mini productions, even on a s- smaller scale. But it was, it was a celebration of nostalgia in a way, wasn't it? And can do Bit of, um, I think uh, there's always, in any good comedic partnership, there's always the lunatic and the not quite so lunatic. Yeah. It, yeah, you need uh, the enthusiasm and swindling, uh, you know, blind positivity. And then you need uh, people to be like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, I'll help. What else am I doing? Yeah, attitudes of others to come along and say, you know what? Just because you like, if someone's deluded and you, no one helps them, then nothing happens. But you do need it has to be a team effort. He wouldn't have gotten anywhere on his own. It had mm. to have people who were like, yeah, do you know what? What am I going to do? Not do it? Like, what's the alternative? I stay home and I'm nobody and have contributed nothing. And it's more interesting to do something than to not. And I think that that's a good takeaway. For, that's a good message. If you're going to make a a, a movie celebrating a guy. Why not put the message? Be make something, cunts. It'll be worth it, even if it's shit. Try some shit. Yeah. You got to lose. Yeah. yeah. Words I don't heed enough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, other other things worth mentioning? Any any bits we've glossed over? We we didn't laboriously go through every bit. So the, you know, yes, congratulations. To... Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. So, but is there any other bits we glossed over, performances or moments worth bringing up, or is it just uh, reiterating our, th- our general thumbs up? Anyone got anything else to say? I, I want... Can we confirm or deny that that was really Eddie Murphy's bum? <laughs> I don't time, think. I don't think he is shy about being naked on camera. Good point. I'm going to say yes. Real Eddie uh, Murphy's bum. Um, he definitely I, disrobed me. I want to see uh, an Eddie Murphy Wesley Snipes some kind of dual leading role, something, anything. I think they Wait. should remake that 
any of the Walter Matthau Jack Lemon films. Oh my with god! Those two. <laughs> oh, make the jokes work for a black audience. The fucking the odd couple remake with Wesley Snipes and Eddie Murphy. Yeah, as long as they don't do a flumps movie where Wesley Snipes is a bunch of fat people as well. Like, <laughs> I, I don't need that. The clumps, you mean? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I forget what silly name they have. <laughs> Doctor Doolittle four or three? Did how many Doctor Doolittles did they do? Where Wesley Snipes is a Wesley Snipes can be a talking sloth or something. <laughs> what was it? Did Eddie Murphy do a vampire comedy? Did he? Because then you could have him team up with Blade. Right? Uh, vampire um, in Brooklyn. Yeah, I would. I I think comedy is stretching the definition. <laughs> well, this is uh, this is a movie that referenced. Uh, Blackenstein, and I don't think they did. Oh, Blackenstein. Blackenstein, right. They did reference Blackula, but, um, you know, there's all no, sorts Vampire of. Vampire in Brooklyn is like a. It's not supposed to be a comedy necessarily. It's like a dark comedy. It's Wes Craven. Um, I've seen it years ago. Uh, like, I saw it as a kid. Because I guess for some reason I thought, ooh, spooky vampire film with Eddie Murphy. And even as a kid, even as a kid I was like, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's so be careful. what I'm saying is be careful what you wish for. Just be glad you've got this team up of Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes. <laughs> um, who was that wishing for more? You might get something you don't like. Uh, also, I did mention uh, the PJs right at the start. The woman who was the voice of the Haiti lady. I don't know how well you remember the PJs. A little bit. Um, yeah. I do. Know. Yeah, she's in this briefly. Yeah. Who is she? Um, she just plays. She's the late. She's one of the ladies at the box office. Um, oh. Like she doesn't have like a named part, but I just thought it was cool. So now I'm now I've got more connections to make in my uh, my weird pop culture Akashic record. <laughs> Good. Yeah. There's a mind. lot of pin. There's a lot of pins and string in your head, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a mind palace to have! Like, you're not exactly gonna <laughs> solve the zodiacular mystery, are you? You're gonna, oh, I can make all these films join up. Welcome to IMDb. You don't need to, don't need to Rich. do it in your head. <laughs> Rich. Yes. Pot kettle. Pot <laughs> kettle. Yeah. I don't fucking care if a movie is connected to another movie. Mm, don't you? Oh, for my own personal musings, I don't have to. Oh, you're on I don't have to play like Kevin Bacon the game every time <laughs> with The Exorcist. Do I? It's three degrees of every film ever made. That's yeah. my version of the Kevin Bacon. Hi. <laughs> You're like it with comedians. You can't pretend. Dragging me. Who is in the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Like this tables have turned shit. (laughs) If I slag someone, I want them to stay slagged. No, I want to love it. Yeah, anyway, with it, you know, is anyone want to suddenly pop in how actually it's bollocks and I was lying all this time? It isn't very funny. Are we going to surprise anyone? What were we saying? Like, Good, not tremendous, but enjoyable, or good, more than that? I would say good, yes. good, elevated by the cast. Mm. Like, perfectly well-made film nothing, wouldn't be anything special were it not for all the performances in it. I also think, like, we are a group of people who would probably miss some... There's probably a bunch of references in there that we don't know 
Oh, probably, yeah. That would augment it for other people. So they're you very... may get more out of this than we did. There's just because of, you know about the shit to begin with. Yeah. It, it includes a lot of tip of the hats to a lot of different pieces mm-hmm. of culture. It's very it's very uh, well educated film. It's got its references lined up and it feels like it's trying to say look we know and we appreciate that whole time period. The film does name drop people as well as make references in what it's showing on on screen. Yeah. I would I would also say like if if you watch this as someone who knows nothing about like Rudy Ray Moore don't like take it as gospel either like no. take it as a jumping off point to learn more. Yeah, exactly like uh, that, uh yeah, we kind of covered that a little bit, but yeah, I agree like I I you could you could I think that's what one of the problems is you could kind of see where screenwriting is taking from history and going, well, it would be good if we had a female character that he helped here rather than himself only. And wouldn't it be I good? I mean, she was a people... real person. Oh, though. yeah. No, of course. But it, it it's in the press. It pre- did have that, yeah, it did have that feel of, this doesn't quite feel real. It's pretty much, you're the only female character, yes. so you have to be the shoulder to lean on kind of thing. Yeah. No, I know. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying the film was lying or anything. I'm just saying, mm. You could see the screenplay structure in watching it, whereas if I was completely lost in it and found it intriguing and compelling and hilarious, yeah. But I'm um, I'm now thinking of them slagging off critics in the back of that limo and going, "No, no, it's funny. I liked yeah. it. I've got a sense of humour, honestly." Well, there's a difference between like legitimately criticizing something and just being like, bleh, 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 "Shit, low art, fuck it." You know. Yeah, no, of course. Which I, I, would, I would never do. Save that for Mario Brothers. Trust uh, uh, the fungus, you motherfucker. Um, the fungus. And for yourself, yeah. uh, like full thumbs up or no? Yeah, you know, full full thumbs up. I mean, it's got it's got it's 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 got a slightly too polished sheen, like mm-hmm. you were saying, like uh, it's reflecting some light back into your eyes, but. Um, yeah, it's good. It's funny. It's enjoyable. Like I, I agree with Jamie. It's like it's you know it's it's a good film heightened by the cast. Yeah, yeah. It's fake. It's the fake seventies, not the real seventies. It's the caricature of the seventies. But that's fine. That's fun. We want that. Is the is the feeling I had. It's also just nice to be reminded of how good Eddie Murphy is, and yes. he's still capable of being. Yes, exactly. I think that's that was a big plus at the time. Was like, oh yay! Please, like people like clapping, but also yes, Eddie. This is the sort of this thing. is it. This is yes. Please this, just keep this, doing this. It doesn't have to be exactly this, but this sort. Please, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Abby. Uh, uh, yes, I would. The only thing I would say is the right. to explain this for listener if you are a woman who has not experienced very much 1970 cinema before you watch this you're going to want to brace yourself slightly Mm. (laughs) things were different things were different that's just the way it was and you know they, they have been as gratuitous as necessary to truly reflect the era but that's they kept it to a minimum beyond that. Uh, also, because it's like a proper major movie, it's more tasteful uh, a presentation than uh, reality would reflect as well. I think they don't. Yeah, they don't use it as an excuse to also be exploitative. No, 
it's that's that's the real thing that doesn't fit right is uh where's the exploitation i have to feel that someone is being degraded <laughs> and is doing something for money or for power or they've been manipulated into something and are going to be used up and binned after this <laughs> and i didn't get that feeling in this but that's the real black exploitation experience is you mm-hmm. you want to look at it and go Yes, use the people. Powerful were, producers destroy them. You used to work in. You used to work in an Amazon warehouse. You know what it feels like. To be like a piece of meat, not appreciated. To feel yeah. people. Yeah, I do. What you? What's your point? I'm just saying you've already got that experience. Oh, I want to be the powerful. I want to be Jeff Bezos, looking down oh, at the ants okay. in the. Look at those women with their boobs out being shot and disposed of in the movies. I, I don't know. I think there's like. Hang a... on, are you talking about Jeff Bezos? What yeah. <laughs> Is there in something way... about him I don't know more? Well, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't know. I, I think sometimes, though, um, it's easy to forget that the reason people like black exploitation is because a little bit. You're awful if you like black exploitation. The part of the appeal of it is, oh, this is grubby, and you I want mean, to it, be grubby. Yeah, I mean, it's it's titillation and and yeah, you don't put yeah. on your you don't put on your smoking jacket and you use your opera glasses to watch black exploitation. Says you. You, you pull the curtains. <laughs> in. I don't know. I think a smoking jacket is very much on theme. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's fine. Thanks for listening to the podcast again. Join us next time, unless you're a dick. No, I can't do it. Just to think what the last word is, and then think of another. What word. were you yeah. going to say? Like dickmen? <laughs> I couldn't be bothered to think of a rhyme. So see you next time. Bye. Bye bye. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Abby, your, your goodbyes always peak the mic and get cut you off. What's with your goodbyes? I thought it was quite funny because it sounded like she was being sucked out of an airlock. <laughs> it does. It often does. I never know what to do when I have to edit them. Like, I always have to delete your goodbyes, Abby, some, or sometimes. Can you try well, another goodbye? I have a children's presenter goodbye. It has yeah. like an inflection up at the end, <laughs> and that might be what's spiking the mic. Try to say goodbye again, but a little less Julie Andrews, please. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>